Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears, but in a fun way. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Happy day after Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah. Which is known as... Is it known? Boxing (laughs) (laughs) V-Day. Good try. So I'd like to know, what's uh, what's your stance? What's your stance on Valentine's Day? Ugh. I feel about Valentine's Day the same way I feel about New Year's Eve and prom. <laughs> I think it's hyped up. Mm-hmm. I think everyone gets all excited. They get all dolled up. And usually I feel like you're left kind of empty. Wow. Now, okay, that's pretty jaded of me. And I'm an optimistic person I usually. We need to talk about your prom experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, my proms are fine. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Valentine's Day is okay. Yeah, I think it's a made-up holiday, basically manufactured by, like, capitalism. Uh, I think April said this about every single holiday we've ever discussed. Everything is capitalism. (laughs) And I often forget it's even happening. You know, I'm kind of reminded of it from my girlfriends who are like, "Uh, do you want to do a Galentine's thing? Because I am chronically single, I guess. Mm, Chronically single. That's really funny. (laughs) I'm not a romantic. Relationships, Valentine's Day, anything romantic. It's not really my thing. Well, if it makes you feel better, I'm chronically dating somebody <laughs> and I don't enjoy Valentine's Day that much. The best yeah. Valentine's Day I ever had was with my like then boyfriend's parents. Mm. We like they cooked us dinner and then they gave me an orchid and it was delightful. It was very <laughs> aromantic. <laughs> it makes sense that the best Valentine's Day was provided to you by parents. your boyfriend's parents. <laughs> yeah, that was the probably my favorite one. And I love romance mm-hmm. like a lot i not that's just like, romance but romance yeah you have to put that you have to put the accent in the right place mm-hmm. but i'd love to turn that around let's see it, it, you don't it's have not to gonna happen this year yeah <laughs> it's not gonna happen it's, this year it's just like new year's we don't have to make it more than what it is that's it's right. just a day it's just a day well i hope that everyone despite this very jaded conversation enjoyed their valentine's day for sure and also enjoyed a couple of these stories in this episode that are slightly love themed twisted love kind of um and i'll be reading the first one so here we go when i was 22 deadpool came out in theaters having nobody to accompany me i took myself on a date on valentine's day to go see it It was a sold-out show, so, inevitably, a stranger slid into the empty seat next to me. I remember his breath reeked of whiskey, but he seemed friendly enough. 
We chatted a little bit before the movie started. And then I turned my attention to Ryan Reynolds, obviously. But I guess in his mind, our interaction wasn't over. During the movie, the guy next to me repeatedly leaned over to whisper to me. It was weird. Then he started to manspread into my legroom until I was forced to basically dangle my body into the aisle. Then he tried several times to hold my hand or put his arm around my shoulder. He even offered to be my Valentine for the night. I swear he tried to lean in to kiss me at one point. I politely but firmly rebuffed him every time he made a weird advance. I thought about leaving, but I was young and I was alone. And a lot of women just feel uncomfortable causing a scene, even when we should. Should I have made a bigger deal? Stormed out and demanded a refund? Maybe, but I honestly wasn't sure anyone was gonna take me seriously. Instead, I leaned away from him and tried my best to enjoy the movie I'd been waiting for months to see. After the movie, I got up quickly and tried to blend into the departing crowd. But before I could, I felt a hand wrap around my arm. Whiskey Guy was breathing in my face. Wait, what's your name? Panicking internally, I yanked my arm back, muttered a fake name, and pushed my way through the line, running straight into the women's bathroom. I hid in the bathroom for about 15 minutes while trying to get somebody on the phone who could come to the theater. Nobody answered because it was like 12.45 a.m. at this point. But eventually, I got hold of my older brother, who lived an hour away, but offered to stay on the phone while I exited the theater. By this time, I figured, this guy has got to be gone. Again, it's been at least 15 minutes at this point. I stepped out of the bathroom into a completely empty lobby. The last showing of the night was over. I walked into the pitch black parking lot, notorious for having zero streetlights, and attempted to sound casual on the phone as I told my brother all about the movie. Slowly, cautiously, I walked further into the lot, passing a large concrete column to my right. That's when I sensed movement. I whipped around and realized the guy was right there, leaning against the pillar, out of sight from the front door of the theater. He had been hiding in the dark and waiting for me to come out of the building. He made a slight movement, as though he wanted to reach out again, but withdrew when he saw the phone in my hand. I immediately hightailed it to my car, still hearing footsteps following me. My brother asked if he was there. I said, yes. With an edge of fear in his voice, my brother asked if he should call 911, but I demanded he not hang up on me. I reached my car, fumbled briefly with the keys and jammed them into the lock. Only after I slid inside and turned the car on did I dare look back. The man had followed me about halfway to my car, then stopped. He was still standing in the lot, unmoving, staring at me when I sped away. The whole time my brother was asking, is the guy still there? Is the guy still there? Finally, I was able to confirm that he wasn't still following me. My brother, ever the loving sibling, yawned and said, Cool, I'm going back to bed. He loves me sometimes, I swear. Lots of people that I've shared this story with say, maybe I should avoid going to late movies alone in the future. But to that, I say, 
maybe parents should avoid raising their sons to think it's okay to stalk a woman in a parking lot. I guess that's every woman who likes to attend the movie theater by themselves. Worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I totally get it. Like, I do understand. I'm definitely like a de-escalation, try not to cause a scene person. Mm -hmm. But I think if someone like leaned over to kiss me or put their arm around me, I think I'd be like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Scream. I don't like Ryan Reynolds that much. (laughs) I, I don't like Ryan Reynolds enough to stay. Yeah. Understandable. Ryan Gosling, I might have stayed. <laughs> My preferred Ryan is Gosling. So I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Do you have a fake name that you give out to creeps? Oh. Are you comfortable sharing that with us today? <laughs> That's a really good idea. I don't have a fake name I give out to creeps. Uh-huh. I just fully give them my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> I've never thought about that. In fact, I did it like pretty recently where I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I why did I give them my full name and and phone number? Yeah. And uh bank account. Well, I didn't give them bank account yet. Yet. <laughs> I definitely like I don't give I don't give full name. Like I try not to give my last name. Yeah. But I never really You try think- not to as hard as as much as you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you will not give out your last name. <laughs> it's so tempting. But um I just give people my first name. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, people can't really do much with your first name. My name is spelt differently from how it normally is spelled. You have that to your advantage. So it's actually not to my advantage. Well, actually, if oh. I was just to speak my name to you, yes, that is to my advantage. But, you know, online, dating apps, profiles, mm, things like they that. They can find you easily. They can find me very easily if they see yeah. the spelling. So in person, yeah, I guess that's to my advantage. But I do have a fake. I've had a fake couple names throughout the years. What are they? I'll share one of them because it's so ridiculous. And I just thought, let's have fun with it. Because this. it's deactivated now. You don't <laughs> use that one anymore. Yeah. Okay. Niska. <laughs> Niska. Yeah. Niska. That's different. You know, That's... the guy look like a Niska? No, actually, if you told me your name is Niska, I would fully be like, of course. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like specific enough that I'm like, oh, she's not lying. You think? I okay. think so. All right. I feel like she's a Russian spy. You know what I mean? Oh, so you like. <laughs> You drew up an entire character. Yes. I have a whole persona attached to this. <laughs> That's smart, though. That's good that you have something at the ready. Mm-hmm. As paranoid as I am as a person and as careful as I am, I'll just throw my name out there. <laughs> I'll just, yeah, absolutely. Sure. No, you want to know where I live? Yeah, it's fine. My place of birth. Honestly, this is a really good PSA to um, parents that are thinking about naming their kid something with unusual spelling. Mm. They will be found online very easily. Consider yeah. that. Yeah. Consider your daughter's footprint on dating apps. <laughs> yeah, you want to be all unique and individualistic. No, you want to be John. Just makes you more of a target. Yeah, yeah, you want to be Emily. You'll never you find wanna Emily. Anne. That's right. You want to be Anne the Gremlin. Call back. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Anne the Gremlin. If you've been here for a long time, you'll remember. <laughs> you'll remember that episode. I have a safety tip, I guess, that I've learned with things like this. If you're accosted in a business or a public place, they tell you, go find an employee and ask them to escort you to your car. Yeah. Well said, Niska. Well said. Duh. (laughs) Good Lord. 
would you look at that? It's ad time. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Here's another story. When I was in the seventh grade, this would have been about 2007, I was best friends with a girl who I will refer to as Kate. There were two other girls in our friend group who I'll call Maddie and Josie. The four of us were definitely not what you'd call popular, but we weren't totally invisible. We pretty much did everything together. Around the middle of April that year, the semester was wrapping up and we were prepping for state testing, so things were dull, to say the least. After lunch, we all had the same fifth period history class, so we would stop at our lockers on the way and walk to class together. One day, there was a folded note wedged in the door of Kate's locker. Assuming it was from another friend, she grabbed it, and we continued to class and took our seats. In class, Kate unfolded the note and looked confused. When she showed it to me, it was this drawing of a stick figure person with a heart, and underneath the stick man was a simple, Hope you're having a great day. Love, locker buddy. Kate asked the rest of us if we'd written it, since we sometimes did write notes to each other to pass time, but none of us had. And the handwriting didn't look familiar either though the messy scrawl suggested it was probably a boy. We decided it was likely just another one of our friends being silly, and we didn't really think of anything beyond that. Next day, Kate found another note. This one had the same handwriting and the same signature, Locker Buddy. This time, the message said something along the lines of, guess who has a crush on you? We decided it must be a secret admirer that was leaving the notes, and our little titillated laughter drew the attention of a few of the other girls in our class. Kate showed them the notes, and before long, most of the class was invested in identifying Locker Buddy. Again, can't stress enough how boring seventh grade was. Even our teacher, Miss Dreyer, thought the whole thing was kind of sweet. Kate received a couple more notes over the next week or so, all pretty innocuous, essentially just talking about how much he was crushing on her said stuff like, I love your smile, your hair is beautiful, I wish I had the courage to ask you out, etc. At this point, our whole class was paying attention. One day, Kate unfolded the latest note 
and her expression looked different. I asked what was wrong, but she just shook her head and passed the note to me. Maddie and Josie peered over my shoulder as we all read it. This time it said, I'm always watching you. The handwriting was the same, but there was no heart, no doodle, not even a signature this time. Kate's face was visibly disturbed, and she just quickly tucked the note away instead of reading it out loud like she normally would. She didn't say much for the rest of the class, but the rest of us just shrugged it off. Like, maybe he didn't mean it in a creepy way. Maybe he thought she'd be flattered by the idea that he watched her at school. Kate eventually seemed to shrug it off as well. The next week, though, things took an abrupt turn. Kate came to class a few minutes after the rest of us, and she looked really upset. She just wordlessly dropped a new note in front of me, and this time when I read it, I felt a chill just run down my spine. This one said, If you keep ignoring me, I'm going to hurt you. Maddie and Josie were just as shocked as I was, and because we were all surprised, that drew the attention of the rest of the class. Ms. Dreyer read the note over my shoulder and, alarmed, walked with Kate to the main office to report the note to the principal. I didn't see Kate for the rest of that period, but a couple hours later, I was called down to the office to meet with the guidance counselor. I wasn't surprised to see that Kate, Maddie, and Josie were already there. The counselor asked us some questions about the notes. When did they start? Did we have any idea who might have written them? Had we been mean to somebody who might want to play a prank on us? No. We had no idea. We all answered no. The counselor informed us that if any more notes appeared, we should notify the principal immediately. I think they hoped that word would get out that the office was involved and that would scare off the culprit. And at first it seemed like they might be right. Kate didn't get another note for about a week. Then one day, there was a new one stuffed in her locker. But this time it was wrinkled up like it had been written on paper from the trash or something. We opened it right then and there. Essentially, it read, Tattling on me was a big mistake. I've been watching you and your bitch friends. How about I hurt one of them slowly and make you watch? Maddie is home alone most days, right? And that one did it. Kate and Maddie were both sent home for the rest of the day with their parents and the police were called. And one by one, Kate's friends, including myself, Josie, and three or four of the boys we were friends with, were all pulled from class for questioning as possible suspects. We were asked to provide samples of our handwriting from class assignments to compare to the notes, and an officer was stationed near Kate's locker indefinitely. Kate and Maddie were both advised to stay home from school for a few days since the note was being treated as a direct threat. Maddie was in a panic. Her mom worked late a lot of the time, and she was an only child, so she ended up spending the night at Josie's house for a couple of days. Kate's parents weren't letting her out of their sight, and the rest of us were being interrogated by our classmates about what was happening. I remember feeling more scared than I ever had been before. Even at that age, I was all too aware of stories about women being murdered by stalkers. The idea of being watched, even if it was just by some weird classmate, was so invasive and disturbing, I couldn't think about anything else. We were exhausted. About a week after the threatening note was found, Kate hadn't returned to school and she wasn't returning calls or text messages. Maddie was back, though she was still being escorted to classes by the campus security officer. The rest of us were anxiously awaiting news from the cops or the principal, and it finally came one afternoon during the last period of the day. 
I was once again called to the counselor's office, along with Maddie, Josie, and the other students who had been questioned in the investigation. I walked in expecting the worst. We were all so strained and anxious from the past few weeks that the tension in the room was palpable. The counselor took a deep breath and said, This morning, Kate came in with her mom and dad and admitted that she was the person writing the notes. She is very regretful and she will face consequences for this. None of you are in any danger. There was never a stalker. We were stunned. For weeks, weeks, Kate had spun this twisted story, painted herself as a victim, and watched us all live under a microscope. And now she was confessing that she'd made the whole thing up? Over the next couple of days, more details came out. Kate claimed she had written the first note as kind of a joke in a misguided attempt to capture the attention of a boy in our history class that she had a crush on. And then when everyone became so interested, she kept going and eventually decided to inject more suspense into the situation. When the principal got involved, she panicked. Rather than fess up and admit what she'd done, though, she doubled down and dragged Maddie into the fold, which of course led to more of us being put through the ringer. It wasn't until the police told the principal that they suspected it was a hoax that she finally confessed to avoid being expelled from school. About two months after all this, Kate called me. I was furious with her, but I picked up because I wanted answers. She told me that she felt like a nobody, that all the attention she got from the notes was exciting. For once, she didn't feel like she was on the outside looking in, and it felt so great that she just couldn't see it was spinning out of control. After that experience, I am no longer surprised by the things people will do when they're desperate for attention. I guess you just never really know what someone's capable of. Katie, Katie, Katie. Yeah, man. Wow. I I understand. Mostly, I kind of feel bad for her. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. You don't know what kids are going through, you know? Like, why they pull things like that. Oh, and kids lying for attention is, like, so common. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) What do you tell? I, I was a little liar. I mean, put it in the canon of, you know, April being a prankster, I guess. Yeah, I was talking about this with friend with a friend recently, actually, yeah. like lies we told when we were younger. And my friend Daniel told me that he like he's got a Swedish in his family. Like that's part of his background. And he like told people that he could speak Swedish and he would just take the words from like one song that he knew and just move them in different places. <laughs> and people would be like, wow. Uh-huh. And then I told him, I was like, well, you know, my parents were doctors. And I told people that like I <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> there was like a bug that wasn't moving. <laughs> this is a crazy story. <laughs> and I like had a wet wipe <laughs> and I like touched it with a wet wipe and then it started mm. moving. I think we were in like first grade and my friends were like, oh my God, you healed it. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I like no medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I touched a bug with a wet wipe. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So healing powers, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's, anyway. In keeping with that, I did try to claim telekinetic powers to my friend. (laughs) Wow, that is, you went for an advanced one. I did. Well, I watched a lot of X-Men. I was super into X-Men. 
Yeah, I wanted to be basically Jean Grey. Okay. But I think another, actually, this is a better lie. I think this is better. I lied to all of my friends about being a purple belt in karate. (laughs) What a small lie. (laughs) I think it goes purple, brown, black. And I was like, black belt, way too far. Brown belt, uh, I'm, you know, might still not be able to pass that off. Purple, I think I can go with purple. I think that's, I think I can pull that off. <laughs> it's so um, interesting. Like you're, you're trying to dupe everyone and thinking you're like hyper athletic. That I'm just <laughs> above mediocre at karate. <laughs> oh my god, no, I'm just slightly so. above average at karate. But the things you wanted people to believe, like that you had like telekinesis and that you were like a purple belt in karate, they mm-hmm. were they're like superhero things. Yeah, I wanted to be a superhero because once again, I watched a lot, a lot of, of X Men. Okay, yeah. makes sense. Okay, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I also told a lie about um, this one was like a stupider lie where like I knew people I knew people didn't believe me like they knew that I was like full of shit too but I was kind of like prove it (laughs) but I tried to have all my dance friends think I had a butler named um, I think I named him Chives It's kind of like I, Jeeves. But exactly. Chives. It's like Jeeves. Yeah. I thought it sounded like French or something. So I was like, my <laughs> I have this butler named Chives. And then I think I got to the point where they're like, okay, maybe. I took it like too far. Like obviously we didn't have a butler named Chives. <laughs> was Chives like always pulling the car around? <laughs> he's like, Yeah, he's Chives is always out doing errands. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So I totally get it. Like lying for attention. Yeah. Mm. Especially as a kid, you know? Yeah. You wanted to feel special in some way. You wanted to feel. You want to have this like reason for everyone to give you attention. Mm. Yeah, you you break your arm and everyone gives you so much attention. Yes. Oh, what I I would kill to have a cast. Yeah. In elementary school, middle school, middle you, school. You just want to have a secret. You just want to be different. You know? Yeah. So funny. You want a story. Yeah. You know. I think I so I have this scar on my forehead right here, and that was like my biggest claim to fame. When I was like 10 years old, everyone was like, what happened? You had a hole in your head. Yeah. Because my sister basically accidentally jumped on my back and my head just bounced off the corner of a table. And now I have this little reminder. And she felt awful. Like she was horrified at what happened. And I was like, hey, man, battle scar. Clout. (laughs) Yeah, clout. Gave you some some edge. Edged you up a little bit. Yeah. Almost makes me believe that you could be a, a purple belt in karate. I'm the last of the Red Hot Mamas. They've all cooled down but me. I don't pet and only neck them. No, sir, I'm a mama who loves to wreck them. I can make them sizzle, make them fry and frizzle. If you want to know the truth, I can warm the cold ones, give the old ones back their flaming youth. Cause I'm the last of the Red Hot Mamas. I'm getting hotter all the time. We know what you want. Another ad. Right? Let's tune in to another story. So back in high school, two friends and I go to see a scary movie in theaters. These two friends are my spooky friends who love all the scary stuff just like me. So we decided to go to a late showing of a movie around 10 p.m. The movie's called You're Next. We get there all excited, get our tickets, get snacks, 
and then walk to the theater. Theater 10. We take notice that the movie is being shown in the smallest theater, in the far corner of the building, which is kind of creepy. Then, once we get inside, we realize we're the only ones in the theater at all. It stays this way for a duration of the movie. For us, this only adds to the movie experience, which is great. At first. When the movie ends, we walk out, and the entire lobby is empty. No employees, no moviegoers, no one at all. Not a soul in sight. And this was a Friday night. Now we're extra creeped out. We walk pretty fast to the exit and get to the parking lot, and it's also completely empty. Except for one other car in the distance of the dark parking lot. At this point, we book it to our car, get in, turn the key, dead. The car is dead. Now we're convinced we're in a scary movie ourselves and we're terrified. It's too real. I mean, we just saw a movie called You're Next. We call a tow truck and sit in the car with the doors locked, just looking out the windows, waiting for something bad to happen. And we can't stop looking over at the dark car across the parking lot. No one ever comes out of the theater. No one looks like they're locking up either. The lights stay on, but there's no activity whatsoever. It feels eerily deserted. Finally, after an hour of us being on edge, the tow truck driver arrives. Everything worked out okay, but man, I'll tell you, I'll never forget the feeling of going from one horror movie straight into a real life horror movie scenario of my own. You're next. The whole thing was just so weird. It's so interesting because I like totally relate to the going to the movies late when Mm -hmm. you're young and it's like literally the only thing you can do and it feels crazy and wild. Yeah. It was a creepy scene. Like I I get the I get the empty movie theater just saw a horror movie. So you're a little bit on edge. I would be creeped out. But like I have theories here. I'm like (laughs) I'm pretty sure that some kid I mean you know who like is mostly working at a movie theater. Usually it's kind of young people. Yeah. I'm like, okay, the theater worker for sure got high at the end of their shift. That's their car. And they fell asleep. And that's why it didn't get closed up. Mm -hmm. All the lights are on. No one's there. No movement. No one's shutting down the theater. And then there's one car. Mm -hmm. I think that's a solid theory. I see why it's creepy, though. It definitely creeps me out. Yeah. The whole empty parking lot at night. Don't, one don't car in the distance. And I pictured it like an Oldsmobile too. Like it's like a, mm. like an old station wagon. Yeah. Looks like it's out of the movie Zodiac kind of car. Oh, yes. That's what I pictured. Some uh, smoked up windows. Uh, maybe he was hotboxing. Oh, yeah. Maybe he was just in there. Yeah, just asleep in the car. <laughs> You're right. That's actually a good point. That's a good point. I go to see movies in the mall nearby a lot of the time. And sometimes you go a little late, you come out and... The mall has basically cleared out at that point. You know, it feels off. It feels off to come out of a movie that's super intense into an empty space that was full of people before. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I don't really like empty public spaces. Mm -hmm. Even lights on, empty, like hospital, mall, places that are supposed to be full. There's something inherently creepy about that. Yep. 
Because it feels unnatural. Liminal space. Yes. You know? Yeah. You feel like you're in an alternate reality. Like in the back rooms. You know the back rooms, right? Yeah. 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 It it feels like that. I love the uh, your next shout out in this because Mm -hmm. it is one of my favorites. And I, I looked it up and I realized how long ago that movie came out. Now I think it's 2011. No. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Why? Wait, I feel like that was yesterday. I remember when it came out. You're next? Well, it did come on streaming pretty recently. It's on Max now, I think. Oh, my God. It is 2011. Yeah. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? 13 years old. Wait, that's not the movie I was thinking of. Wait, what's the one that has Adam Brody? And they're all- Oh, Ready or Not? That's another one of my favorites. Another woman kicking ass. I was thinking about Ready or Not. They have similar names to me for some reason. Mm. Definitely a similar vibe and genre. Mm-hmm. Female forward slasher-ish revenge type movie with an insular cast. Yes. Very well said. We're really well said for not seeing Nerded. either one of them. You should watch both of them. I, I think I'd really like, at the very least, the Adam Brody one. Yes. Great stuff. Great Which cast. Which is, to clarify, Ready or Not. Yeah. I've not seen the movie Ready or Not. I think People love that movie, though. Kind of like, oh, like as a hell. fun movie. Yeah. yeah. When I first saw your next, I was pretty young. I was kind of still in like very entrenched in like church and Christian circles. And I was like hanging out with a couple of girls and one of them mentioned Dear Next and I had just seen it actually pretty recently. And I was like, oh, I love that movie. And she was like, what? That movie is disgusting, April. That's disgusting. <gasps> you were ashamed. I was so shamed. Because like it wasn't godly? Yeah, it's, you know. It's exactly what you just said. I mean, said. It's, a, it's a horror movie. Because, it's a slasher. Yeah, it's a horror movie slasher. Um, wow. She shamed you and then were you friends? Um, we remained in contact for a bit. <laughs> we didn't remain friends for mm. too long. She was fine. Uh, nothing against her. I think that movie's not everyone's bag. You know, it's very much you have to be okay with very, very dark humor and violence. But I found it uh, Perhaps not a, a hyper-Christian ride. person's bag. Right. You know, yeah. especially. Well, I'm sorry you're ashamed. I'm sorry you're ashamed and you shouldn't have been shamed for the things that you like. Thank you. It did make me shut up about horror around people for a few years. <laughs> oh, God. Well, now you're <laughs> talking about it to like, I know. the abyss. So yeah. anyone can hear it. <laughs> I think you've I think you've recovered. Came back with a vengeance. Unstoppable. Yeah. On a podcast. I am not broken. That's great. <laughs> Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.